Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. The Dodgers have won 107 games to set a franchise record for most in team history. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris, welcome to another episode of Inside the Ravine, a new Dodgers podcast presented by Odyssey Sports. Blake, how's everything going? Everything's going fantastic, Josh. Like you said, 107 wins. They set the record, have seven games remaining. So now it's at the point where how many additional wins can they tack on to make this record essentially untouchable in our lifetime? Because Obviously, 107 was untouchable, but with how good the Dodgers have been over the last decade, maybe they're going to be able to come close once again. But once you get to like 110, 111, then we're getting to the range where, again, we might we, we may never see this in our lifetime. So I'm hoping that they win every single game. So when I'm 95 and I'm looking down with my great-great-grandkids saying, yeah, back in my day, uh, we won 114 games. And uh, they're going to say, yeah, I don't know how that's possible. So hopefully they just tack on a few more. I'm hoping for 110. I think that'd be a great number. But at this point, they set the record. So I'm fine with that, too. Yeah, I'm fine with the 107. If you can get to 110 with seven games left, that means you're going three and four in your final seven. And you're playing the Padres and the Rockies. So I think the Dodgers have a good chance to hit at least 110. But again, it's not just like you're playing the Padres and the Rockies. You're playing a Padres team that you've dominated over the last four seasons. And you're playing a Rockies team six consecutive times at Dodger Stadium to end the regular season. So the Dodgers have a good chance to hit at least 110. uh, And I'm looking forward to, to seeing what they can do. Um, we'll jump right into kind of the latest news and what's been going on. So obviously the franchise record, 107 wins. Um, I think a lot of people have been paying attention to that, uh, on the other side of things, obviously the whole Aaron judge, uh, home run race has been pretty wild as well with him chasing history. Uh, he hit his 61st homer last night. So Dodgers franchise record, Aaron judge, uh, AL record, um, Hey, he's 12 about, away from the all-time record, Josh. 12 away from the all-time record with how many games do they have left? I think they have like, what, seven, Four? six, seven, eight left. Oh, okay. or something so like that. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with Aaron Judge, but keep an eye I just on wanted that. to hear your thoughts on what, what you would say when I said he's 12 away from the record. Because I know 12. a lot of people uh, think that, you know, he, he's one away from the record, but I just want to let everyone know he's 12 away from the record. Yeah. <laughs> 12. And this is a this is an anti Giants podcast, but that I just wanted to throw that out. Yeah, there. I mean, 
Let's just enjoy it. Let's just keep interrupting <laughs> my programming. Like, I'm trying to watch The Price is Right. Absolutely not. I, cut into The Price is Right with Aaron hey Judge man, Homer if, watch. Only to watch you strike an, out on three If pitches. you're an active Price is Right watcher, tomorrow night, uh, <laughs> Mr. and uh, Mr. Harris and uh, Uncle Harris are going to be on The Price is Right. Wait, 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 wait what? Yeah, like a month ago, they went and uh, their episode airs tomorrow, apparently. So uh, for those prices Right watchers out there, if you want to see a pair of adult male twins that somewhat resemble Blake Harris, uh, tune into The Price is Right. I-, I don't know, like, if they go far. I don't know if they're chosen, but they said they were on and their episode airs tomorrow. So here we are talking about home run records that have nothing to do with the Dodgers and the price is right. So it's a fantastic show already. Unreal. That That's unreal. I, I have to watch. I, and it, and I hope, I, I hope I don't watch when they put the lower third saying their names. I want to figure out which one is Mr. Harris and which one is uncle Harris, because as you said, they're a pair of adult twins. I have met one of them and I can only assume that it was your dad. <laughs> one would hope I, I but I, but really, I, I, I hope, know. I hope it was him with my mom when they came to Arizona. Well, yeah. So it's Mark is your dad, right? That's correct. And what's Uncle Harris's name? Matt. Matt. This is so confusing. Yeah. Wow. So this is Price is Right tomorrow night. By the time you're listening to this, it's probably going to be tonight. So yeah, it might be. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. Well, the Dodgers. uh, In in other news, I guess back to the Dodgers. uh, Some good news for the Dodgers, and it's that. Uh, Tony Gonsolin, who's been a topic of every single podcast we've done, uh, which is only seven so far, including today, but small sample size. But either way, uh, Tony Gonsolin uh, is back. Yancy Almonte is back. And uh, Blake Trinan is progressing. So this is all these are all positive things for the Dodgers with the postseason right around the corner. Yeah, the crazy thing is we actually haven't done a podcast with uh, Tony Gonsolin not on the injured list because that's how long he's been gone for. So uh, as of right now, it looks like the plan is for him to be activated on Monday, and it looks like they hope that he goes three innings in the start with the hope of uh, building him up to go four innings for the postseason. Josh, this is fantastic news because, like you said, it seems like every episode, Tony Gonsolin's always kind of like the first piece of news we talk about, whether or not he's going to be back, whether he's not going to be back. We've kind of gone over all the hypothetical scenarios, but the good news is he's going to be back. This is kind of what I expected if he were to return, that he wouldn't be fully built up. So him going three or four innings, that's nothing too upsetting. Just the fact that he's back in general, I think, is huge. So he has one tune-up against the Rockies, and like I said, hopefully he's able to build up to four innings for the NLDS. Now, I don't know. I don't think they announced if they plan on having him just start uh, in the playoffs or next week and just going three or four innings or if they would use like an opener for him which personally I think that might be the smart idea have someone come in like they're doing today with Bruce Dark Radderall have him face the top three of the order then you bring in Tony Gonsolin so that way he's not facing the top of the order you know two or three times but we'll have to wait and see but certainly good news with Tony Gonsolin because I think that pretty much solidifies the rotation for October because we know Julio is going to be there we know Kershaw's going to be there and earlier in the week Dave confirmed that Tyler Anderson's earned a spot so uh all those questions about what the rotation's going to look like can be put to rest, knock on wood, uh, with a week left in the season, but uh, a good sign there. 
Yeah, and then Yancy Almonte came back on Wednesday night, first game back after the elbow injury, and uh, faced uh, a couple of decent bats, uh, Hassan Kim, Juan Soto, and Manny Machado, and he had uh, two easy ground outs and uh, a strikeout in that order. So good to see Yancy Almonte back as well. Yeah, the best part of that uh, strikeout scene in the inning is, I don't know if you caught this, Josh, but the camera cuts him, and he pounds his chest and says, I'm effing back. <laughs> so that what a great way to come back. But yeah, Yancy Almonte, people kind of forget about him because we haven't seen him in like nearly two months. But this dude was just shoving before he got hurt. Has an ERA of, I think, like 1.10 on the season. And pretty much like over his, you know, past 20 games, his ERA is like 0.85. So a massive addition to the Dodgers bullpen. Glad he's going to have a week to kind of just get back to the swing of things, uh, figure some stuff out, and hopefully be a huge arm for the Dodgers come October. And, uh... The last kind of rounding out our, our, our pitching conversation, at least uh, in terms of the guys who are coming off of injuries, we'll say, um, is uh, is Blake Trinan and somebody who was a focal point of uh, our podcast discussions last week on where he was going to factor in to the bullpen come playoff time. He's starting to progress a little bit, too. Yeah, it looks like the latest I'm seeing on Twitter is that he played catch again today. It's the third straight day he's played catch. So that's certainly encouraging. It's better than hearing that he's not playing catch. And I think we talked about this in the last episode. Again, it seems like every episode we do, there's some sort of different update. So it's tough to keep track of what the latest was when we recorded, you know, days ago. But it seems like essentially as long as he's ready to go by the time the NLDS rolls around, he'll be on the roster. So if he's not able to go by the time the season ends, that's okay because the Dodgers do have an additional week. So at this point, what, today's Thursday? That means the NLDS starts in 12 days. So Blake Trinan has 12 days to essentially just get built back up enough to where he can go one inning. And it sounds encouraging. I think he's going to be good to go. Um, But at the absolute worst, if the Dodgers move on, he certainly should be back for the NLCS. So knock on wood, because that would be another huge addition for the Dodgers bullpen. But again, not not ideal news that he's still out, but throwing and uh, no bad news. We'll take that at this point. And the reason he was such a big uh, (laughs) the reason he was such a big part of last week's podcast was not only the fact that he was out, but also because of who's not out and uh, instead is out as closer. And that's Craig Kimbrell. So now after yet another meltdown the other night where he was a strike away from a win and walks consecutive batters to not only load the bases, but then walk in the game winning run for the Padres. uh, I would like to hand the, the microphone. You already have your own, but I'm going to metaphorically or hypothetically pass off the microphone to you, set the stage for a, a brand new discussion and or rant about Dodgers reliever Craig Kimbrell. Yes. So before I get to it, we talked about this in our previous episode, if you didn't listen. So if you haven't, make sure to go find that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, but most importantly, the Odyssey app at Inside the Ravine. But we talked about the Dodgers finally deciding to go away from Craig Kimbrell in the ninth inning. It took him, you know, 150 games or so, but we talked about it being the right decision. We talked about potential options as to who can pitch in the ninth inning and uh, so on. Well, after uh, Tuesday's game, Josh, I spent an entire day at Disneyland. I I had a fantastic day with my mom. We were there for about 14 hours. I came back, and uh, the fact that they were in extra innings, I got to catch the end of the game because we got back around uh, 10.30 or so. So I put the game on uh, in the 10th inning. He strikes out Manny Machado, and uh, things are looking good. And then Craig Kimbrell, for some reason, went out away from sending them to the 11th. Completely loses any command that he had at all. 
he literally at this i i pretty much think had he just decided i'm gonna throw it right down the plate as hard as i can i i think he gets out of the inning i think it was jorge alfaro was up at the plate who literally hadn't walked since I think mid to late July is what I heard. He had gone like 80 or 90 plate appearances, hadn't walked. I think he swung and missed at two pitches that Kimbrell threw. They were high fastballs. Has like a strikeout rate of 37%. I think he was up 1-2 in the count. And Kimbrell just wasn't close the rest of the way. Walked him and uh, ended up walking in the game-winning run. Josh, we know that Craig Kimbrell is not going to be closing games for the Dodgers anymore the rest of the season. Most likely at this point, not in October. We talked about this in the previous episode, and uh, we had we had a fun game with it. You you did really well, but Thank Josh, you. after what I saw two nights ago, I've come to a conclusion. My conclusion is, Craig Kimbrell cannot be on the Dodgers postseason roster. What I saw on Tuesday night was the absolute breaking point for me. That's what did it. We've given this guy so many chances. He's had literally an entire season to figure it out. He had that two-week stretch where he did, but ever since then, it's been a disaster. And I don't care if he's coming in the sixth inning, if he's coming in the seventh inning. I don't care if he's used as an opener in the first inning. This is a guy you cannot have on your postseason roster. Again, he's not going to be closing games. That's fine. But at this point, there are so many other options the Dodgers need to consider. Josh, I decided to take a look back and dig through some uh, numbers going back to last season. Craig Kimbrell hasn't just been bad this season. Ever since he got traded to the Chicago White Sox at last year's trade deadline, this dude has been one of the worst relievers in all of baseball. I mean, he had an ERA of nearly five, I think, with the White Sox the final two months. Going back, Josh, over his last 81 games. His last 81 games. That's a that's a pretty good sample size. ERA of four and a half. This, this isn't just a, a bad stretch he's going through. This is a 80-game stretch, which for a reliever, that's two years worth. 80 games is two years worth, where he has just been one of the worst relievers in all of baseball. If this was, you know, Phil Bickford, if this was Reyes Maranta, Reyes Maranta was DFA'd by the Dodgers, Josh, and had better numbers than Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell's getting paid $16 million, so obviously you can't DFA him, I understand that. But if you take away the name, if you take away the history, if this is some random guy that you claimed off waivers, this guy isn't getting a chance. He isn't getting the runway with any team in all of baseball. The Dodgers have one of the best bullpens they've ever had. And Craig Kimbrell is the clear weakness. Now, depending on health, maybe you have to have him because you don't have any other options. But at this point, assuming everyone's back, there are 13, 14, 15 better options. I'm at the point, Josh. I think I'd rather have like an Andre Jackson over Craig Kimbrell because at yeah. least he can give you two, maybe three innings if needed, whether he's an opener, whether he's coming in the seventh, eighth inning with like a six or seven run lead. Craig Kimbrell, I will give him, I said this on the last show. He talks with the media after every game. He owns up to it. He doesn't, you know, put the blame on anyone else. He puts the blame on himself. He's a great guy. I actually really do feel bad for him because this has to suck. But if the Dodgers want to win a World Series, if the Dodgers are truly serious about having their best team on the field, Craig Kimbrell cannot be on the roster for the postseason. He just can. And there's my rant. I, I like it. I mean, I, uh, it's a good rant. Good one. Um, but he, here's another thing, too. is It's not even just the fact that he hasn't been good. If you look at what he was trying to throw the other night, he wasn't even trying to be all that fancy. He just couldn't find the strike zone. 
it, with with two strikes, with, or not not not. I'm sorry, not with two strikes, but Kimbrel tried four fastballs to try to retire Alfaro in that AB. Four fastballs, all four of them went wide, off the plate, away, 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 walked, and even Alfaro after the game. <laughs> Alfaro, after the game, said, quote, it's not a secret. I don't walk that much. I just looked at the dugout and said, oh, blank, I walked. Even his reaction was, wow. I... Yikes. It's unbelievable. He doesn't walk. Again, his strikeout percentage is like 36 37%. And Kimbrell blew two pitches right past him. Again, I don't have like the, the pitch zone up, but I'm pretty sure they were just high fastballs. And I'm literally saying, bro, just throw one down the middle, up, and he's going to swing and miss. But like you said, it's not like he was just missing the corners or painting it and getting kind of screwed. These pitches weren't even close. Uh, Not even close. And I think think we should also point out that the reason the Dodgers lost that game was not Craig Kimbrell. It was one for 14 14 with runners in scoring position and leaving 17 men on base. And and it was more of the same uh, in the extra innings win for the Dodgers, the one nothing win on Wednesday. So it was just more of the same two games in a row. The Dodgers offense has not been very good. And we'll touch on that later. Um, But that's not Craig Kimbrell is not the reason the Dodgers lost that game. It was a handful of things. But as it has been multiple times this season, Craig Kimbrell is the reason why the Dodgers did not have a second opportunity to try to win the game in extra innings or did not push the game any further. And it's because with two outs, he walks the bases loaded and walks in the winning run. Um, And it's just, uh, again, I mean, it's one game. It doesn't matter all that much. But for Craig Kimbrell, it's starting to make his, his chances at making that postseason roster. It's starting to decrease those chances, I think, quite a bit. Um, because yeah. it seems like just every game now, not only is he starting to lose his confidence, but I, th- it, it, to me, it seems as an outsider looking in right now, without without talking to Dave, without even looking at quotes from what Dave has said right now, from simply the actions of Kimbrel on the field and the actions of Dave Roberts as manager removing him as the closer without any of the other meat and potatoes in the situation, it seems like they're losing confidence in him as well. And and that's where you start to question whether or not he's going to be able to crack the playoff roster. Yeah, the crazy thing is, is that he has seven losses this season, where I think I saw some tweet where it was like, if the Dodgers just traded A.J. Pollock for $1, they likely are going for the MLB wins record because – Seven losses. Craig Kimbrell, his record looks like he's a starting pitcher. He's six and seven this year. And the reason he has six wins is because he comes in with a one-run lead, blows it, the game's tied, and then the Dodgers end up winning the game, so that's why he gets credited with the win. But yeah, Josh, over his last six games, since he had that like really good stretch, he's pitched five and a third innings. He's allowed six runs, has five walks, has hit three batters, two home runs. And I talked about this on the previous episode. His strikeout numbers are just gone. Like he oh, yeah. struck out he struck out Manny Machado in it was like one of his best at bats of the season, but like it'd be one thing if he's struggling with command, but he's still getting like two or three strikeouts an inning. The strikeouts are gone. So and I, I think the reason that Tuesday night was like the breaking point, especially for me, I, I will admit Kimbrell's had some pretty bad luck this year when it comes to weak contact, expected batting average, like all this kind of stuff where he has gotten screwed a little. I think like a week ago in Arizona, he had a walk-off home run, but like the pitch was completely out of the zone. 
I, it was just something about the way this unfolded. The fact that literally he needed one strike to send the Dodgers to the 11th inning and the dude could not throw a strike to save his life. And I think it's just the realization that all season, this guy has just gone through stretches where he's even admitted he, he just cannot find command. He cannot find the zone. And when you don't know where the pitchers are going, like I said, he only has two pitches. And these hitters know if he's not throwing strikes, I'm just not going to swing. And if he throws a strike, it's going to be a meatball, which they take for advantage. So again, it depends on the health of the Dodgers. But if everyone's healthy, which it looks like, Blake Trinan's the only wild card at this point. It doesn't matter if it's the fifth or sixth inning, Josh. I, I just think he's too big of a risk. You can't have a guy that has an ERA of five, you know, over the last 81 games coming in for the postseason. Unless he, you just, unless you disagree, we're not going to throw him unless we're up by five runs. If that's the case, sure, have him on there. But if it's within three runs especially, I, I just don't see how you can have him. His ERA right now is the highest it's been in his career in a full season or what I'm going to deem as a full season without actually setting a minimum. But if yeah. you look back at his career, okay, so he has a five. Uh, he, you already mentioned his White Sox numbers. In, in 23 innings with the White Sox last year, he had a 509 ERA. <laughs> 509 ERA is a closer in 23 innings with the White Sox. Um, <laughs> but last season as a whole, it was 226. The year before that was 2020, the short season. Um, he only pitched 15 innings and he had a 5.28 ERA the year before mm -hmm. that only 20 innings. He, he didn't play the whole season. He only appeared in 23 games, a 6.53 ERA. And before that, everything was sub three with a majority of them sub two sub 1.6. Yeah. Um, and now in 56 innings this year, 59 games, he's got a 4.02 ERA and, yeah. and, and, and the whip has been. Not even the highest of his career, but it's it's up there. It's it's the second highest in his career, um, minus that one 20 inning season in 2019 with Chicago with the Cubs, where his ERA and WHIP were the highest in his career. Obviously, only playing yeah. in 30 fewer innings than he has, or pitch, pitching 30 fewer innings than he has this season. Yeah, and he has six earned unearned runs this year, so his ERA would probably be over five if you take those into account. But like you said, going back to 2019, he he's been awful. Uh, the first half of last year with the Cubs, he just was untouchable, like ERA of 0 0.49 in 36 innings. But if you take out that stretch, like you said, since 2019, it's been bad. So, again, not, I don't want to hate on the guy. Like, again, he owns up to it every game. It's got to suck. But if the Dodgers are truly committed to putting together the best bullpen in October, the decision's easy. You just can't have him. If... Again, there's an injury if Trident doesn't come back. If an injury happens to another guy, sure. Like, have him as your final guy. But at this point, I, I I, just can't. Like, I'm too worried that he'll blow it. And if he doesn't, I'll eat my words and I'll say I was wrong. But I would rather have the Dodgers go with, like, a David Price. And David Price just allows a two-run home run than Kimbrel, where it's like, we all knew that this was coming. So it'll be interesting. Again, we're going to be doing a, a show in the next week or so, going over our uh, full postseason roster predictions. But this is going to be an interesting one to follow. But I'm very thankful that you gave me the floor where I can give my rant on uh, on the closer. Or oh, I guess I mean, former closer, that is. <laughs> it, oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. This seems like a pretty good opportunity to plug our Twitter account. Uh, follow us at Inside the Ravine on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Blake at Blake Harris TBLA. I'm at Josh Schaefer25. Let us know. Let us know your thoughts on whether or not 
Craig Kimbrell should be on the postseason roster for the Dodgers based off of what you've seen so far. And obviously, uh, we'll see what we get from these next uh, next seven games uh, remaining on the Dodgers schedule with one against the Padres, six against the Rockies. So we'll take a break uh, and come back for more on Inside the Ravine. All right, Blake, so we know we've got a fun edition of Fair or Foul coming up. So before I hand it over to you for for one of our favorite segments on the show, kind of want to touch on the fact that the Dodgers offense has been pretty shoddy as of late. We already mentioned it briefly in in the Craig Kimbrell conversation. Uh, That blown game the other night is not completely on Craig Kimbrell. Uh, It was a game where the Dodgers were 1 for 14 with runners in scoring position, uh, left 17 men on base. And over the last couple of games, specifically against the Padres, and then obviously that blowout loss to the Cardinals where uh, where there was the 700th home run for um, for Albert Pujols, uh, the Dodgers really offensively have been a little bit lackluster as of late, a little inconsistent. Yeah, I think we talked about this either the last episode or the one before, but we talked about the Dodgers throwing out those like lineups. They had like that four or five game stretch where they were just throwing out their spring training, like split squad lineup. And we were kind of like, okay, I I get it. It's fine and all, but the playoffs are coming. You might want to get the guys back together, which they've done. So I guess Dave Roberts is probably uh, listening to the inside the ravine podcast. So uh, thank you, Dave. Thanks. Thanks. Ever since, ever since then, he's kind of gone back to the playoff lineups that we're likely going to see. But like you said, the offense this past week, especially the San Diego series, has been non-existent. I mean, they did win last night, but that was one to nothing. And I, I I forget what it was before Freddie Freeman got that RBI hit in the 10th inning. But I think, like, up until that point in the series, the Dodgers were, like, one for 24 with runners in scoring position with, like, 20 runners left on base. And that's something, I don't care if you're playing the Padres, I don't care if you're playing the AAA Oklahoma City Dodgers, I don't care if you're playing the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, I don't care if you're playing the 1927 Yankees that have been brought back to life. You cannot go one for 24 with runners in scoring position. Now, I get it. Uh, baseball, anything can happen. But this Dodgers offense has cooled off kind of at the wrong time. I know a lot of people are saying, well, it's better now than in the postseason in two weeks. But I, I would rather be heating up right before the postseason began. Uh, so, again, small sample size. It's baseball. These things happen. But... You know, when you have the regular season coming to a close, you want to have guys getting in their groove. You want to figure out exactly, okay, where a guy is going to be hitting in the lineup so they get comfortable. So, not ideal. Uh, the Padres pitching is the pitching staff they might see in the NLDS. So, again, the fact that they've been struggling so much uh, has me a little worried. I'm not going to put the uh, meter at a 10. I'm not going to sound the alarm. But I'm at a solid 4, uh, seeing how they've played over the last week. If they struggle going into the Rocky series, Josh, uh, we might be getting closer, and it might be an all-hands-on-deck situation where we uh, whip out uh, the, the you know, research department, I guess I should say. I was going to say, who, do, who, who can we contact to, like, look into this, the research department? But I'll give it, I'll give it a few more games until I really get, get worried with this. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, of course, the Padres starting pitching these last couple of days was really good. Blake Snell, five scoreless innings. He gave up just one hit. And then the next day it was five scoreless for Joe Musgrove. Um, But the thing about the Dodgers is the Dodgers still figure out ways to get on base. So they're still hitting the ball. They just weren't scoring any runs. They were leaving all these runners on base. And then also (laughs) between Musgrove and um, and Blake Snell in 10 innings, they combined 
They combined for like eight walks too. So yeah, they like yeah. struck out a handful of guys, but they like walked a bunch of guys. Um, so that's, I guess, a good thing, but also is just frustrating for the Dodgers. The fact they're getting guys on base and then just leaving them on base. But even last night, it took them nine innings or it took them 10 innings to finally score a run at the same time. A phenomenal, a phenomenal pitching display by the Dodgers last night, where obviously they go 10 scoreless innings uh, and gave up seven hits. Six of them were Julio Urias and six scoreless innings. But also, they only walked two guys all game. Um, so the Dodgers pitching these last couple of days has actually been pretty good for the most part, too. Um, and then even uh, whether it was starting pitching or not, I mean, Anderson got uh, chased after two runs. And only three hits, so another solid outing for Tyler Anderson, too. But for the most part, Dodgers pitching has been really good, as it has been for most of the season. I think it's just a little bit concerning that it takes so long for the offense to get going, at least these last couple games against Padres. Yeah, I I wanted so I looked this up on Fangraphs just because I was curious because I wanted to see just how bad they've been. So essentially, over the last, I put this back, I think, 10 days or so, uh, the Dodgers are second to last in baseball with only four home runs. So they have not been hitting the ball over the fence at all. When it comes to runs scored, they are third to last with 18, with some pretty bad teams behind them. When it comes to WRC+, they are fourth to last, a WRC+, plus of 66. So again, you don't want to read too much into this because this is like a seven, eight game sample size. But they just haven't been bad. They've been like at the bottom of the league, which... Should not happen with the lineup they have. Maybe like a two-game stretch where they're at the bottom, but an eight-game stretch, uh, you shouldn't have the Washington Nationals or the Pittsburgh Pirates or some of these other really bad teams ahead of you in all these categories. And you know what's crazy on top of that is the Dodgers have a run differential of plus 322, which is the highest in Major League Baseball since the 1939 Yankees. And it's, it's crazy because... We keep talking about, it seems like every week, it's like, oh, the playoffs are coming up, and are we concerned about this? Dodger fans might should, or should be worried about this and not worried about this. And it's funny because we've had some stretches where the Dodgers' offense has struggled, and it's like they still have the highest run differential in baseball in right. 80 years. So you think back to kind of where they were at the very end of June um, going into July, where they had struggled a little bit. And it was like, oh, no, dark times, even though they're, you know, eight games up or whatever. Right. Uh, and then even now at the end of the season where they're up as much as they are and you're still like, oh, man, the bats aren't there. So it's another thing, you know, the, the Kimbrel blown saves or the losses, we'll just say not even just the blown saves, but the losses for Craig Kimbrell and these few week stretches where the offense is like still producing for the most part. But also they're like not great either. It's just yeah. where where could the Dodgers be? in the win total right now yeah that, that that's the thing like i i think i even said this on the last show because like we're so spoiled where yeah like they're number one in literally every hitting stat imaginable so of course we're gonna overreact over a bad week stretch but josh it's like i said when you see what we've had in years past where this this offense just it goes cold in october in the most crucial stretches where guys just can't get hits Trey Turner just, you know, goes like one for 25 in the postseason. I know he wasn't that bad last year, but I think he hit like 210 or something like that. You know, aside from Corey Seager's 2020 postseason run, he was pretty bad like throughout October in his Dodger history. So we've seen stars struggle. And I was talking, you know, with my girlfriend about this last night. 
The only thing that concerns me with the Dodgers with this offense in October is if for some reason, like Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts just happen to have a one-week slump, there is a little worry there because if they're rolling out Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger, Joey Gallo every game, it's not going to be great. No. Justin Turner, you know, he's been great over the last, you know, few months or so. He's dealing with an injury right now. I don't know if he's going to be 100% for October. Max Muncy, he's been a lot better in the second half, but he's still struggling to hit above the Mendoza line. So there is that thing where, again, we Trey Turner, I think in his postseason career, he's just been horrible. So, again, it's tough to nitpick. It, you don't want to find all the negatives. But, again, it's just because this team is so good. We've seen what this offense could and should do on a night-to-night basis. But especially in a five-game series, all you need is, again, three or four games where your top hitters go cold and things can go poorly really quick. Or we can just look stupid, Josh, and they outscore whoever they play uh, 38-7 to in a three-game sweep, and we don't worry about it. But like I said, it's just this team's so good, and you know that on any given night they should give you at least five runs. It's just the worry that like we've seen the last couple nights. It doesn't matter who's on the mound, and these are some really good pitchers they'll see. There's the chance that they get shut out in, in October. Uh, you know, really good pitching usually beats out really good hitting. Well, you said, you know, maybe we'll look stupid. Um, and now once we come into our favorite segment or one of our favorite segments, fair or foul, that's also a really good um, way that we could potentially look stupid in the future. Um, usually me, I feel like, because you're the one asking the questions. Yeah, I'm the one asking so, the questions, so I'm <laughs> so not looking an, stupid. So I'm chilling. This is an opportunity for me to look stupid yes. uh, in another edition of Blake Harris TBLA's fair or foul. Yeah, so I'll have to go back because I think we did Farrell for our first episodes. It's been some time. If I remember correctly, I think one of those was are the do- or is Max Muncy going to hit above 200 to finish the season? And I think you said he would. And I think right now he's like right there. Last I looked, he was either like 201, 200, 199. And I think the other one was uh, would the Dodgers finish 25 games above the Padres? And I think right now I want to say they're 22, if I remember that correctly. So... You're like we're we're close. Like those ones that we did about a month ago, uh, we're close on those. So the some other really one you good said was the other one you said was are the Dodgers going to have X amount of players hitting twenty? Oh, home the runs twenty home more? runs. And right now, because um, we already said Mookie, uh, I think the rest of them that we were talking about were Will Smith, Max Muncy, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Cody Bellinger, um, and right now, all of them except for Cody Bellinger are at 20 home runs because Mookie is 35, uh, Will Smith 23, Muncy 21, Freeman 20, Turner 20, Bellinger's at 17, and correct me if I'm wrong, he was at 17 when you asked me that question. (laughs) So um, I think I said he would, um, and he's got seven games to figure it out. Okay, (laughs) let's go. Let's get the Marine Lair going at Dodger Stadium. (laughs) All right, Josh. So we have a brand new episode of Fair or Foul. For those that might have missed the first episode, essentially, I give Josh some, I guess, scenarios, essentially, for the Dodgers. And if he thinks it's going to happen, he says fair. If he doesn't think it's going to happen, he will say foul. All right, Josh, kind of going off of what I was talking about, the Dodgers offense going quiet and how much we're uh, worrying about it. Is the season a failure if the Dodgers don't win the World Series? So... If they finish with 111 victories, a franchise record, if they make it to the World Series, but let's say they lose, is the 2022 season considered a failure? Is that fair or foul? Here's the reason why I say fair. 
And I think that is a fair assessment that this season is a failure if the Dodgers don't win the World Series. It can be a good season while still being a failure. Yeah. So I think that there is no question about it, regardless of what happens in October and November and however far the Dodgers play, it'll be November um, or October. It won't go farther than that. Um, regardless of how far they go and what happens in the postseason, this has been a good season for the Dodgers. It's been the best regular season in franchise history. There's no changing that. But on that note, yes, it is a catastrophic failure if the Dodgers do not win the World Series this year. I'll say it's a failure. I'll say if they lose before the World Series, it is a catastrophic failure. If you get beat, you get beat. That's the way I see it. If somebody, All you got to do is get hot in the postseason. If the Dodgers are not hot and still play decent baseball because the Dodgers playing decent ball can still win you games. So if the Dodgers play well enough to get to the world series and they lose to the hottest team in the AL that it happens, you know, they can get beat in that case. Yeah, it was a failure, but it was still a phenomenal season. If you, if you lose in the, in the NLDS, it is a catastrophic failure. Yeah. I'm kind of on the same boat with you where I think ultimately if you don't win the world series, like it's a letdown, um, setting the wins record, that's huge. You know, it's a memorable season. I'm with you, though. If they get to the World Series and lose in six or seven games, I wouldn't say it's a failure. I'll just say, you know, the best team, they didn't get it done. But, yeah, if they get bounced in the NLDS or the NLCS, if they don't make it to the World Series, yeah, I I think it's it's a huge failure. But so let's just let's just hope that that, uh, that doesn't happen. Uh, we kind of talked about this in our previous episode, but this is a good uh, for fair or foul. Clayton Kershaw will start game one of the NLDS. Dave Roberts was asked about it yesterday and still uh, didn't want to admit who's going to be starting game one, but he said it's between two guys, Julio Urias and Clayton Kershaw. So Josh, fair or foul that Clayton Kershaw will get the nod in game one? I say foul. I think Julio Urias starts game one of the NLDS for the Dodgers. And I think it's hard to think, Man, Kershaw's not going to do it, or Kershaw... I mean, because he's had a good season, obviously. He's been a little banged right. up from time to time. But I think it's just hard to not start Julio in Game 1. He has been that good. He needs much more recognition in in the Cy Young conversation as well. Um, and I hope that he gets that come season's, season ends. Um, but yeah, I think it has to be Julio over Kershaw right now. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I, I think you go with the better arm. Maybe Dave opts to go with, you know... Kershaw just being that guy, but I think they should go Julio, but we'll have to wait and see. Our final one, Josh, we've talked about this. Uh, Dodgers don't have a closer now. It's kind of a closer by committee. We talked about in the previous episode, guys we'd like to see pitching the ninth. One of the guys you talked about was Tommy Canely, who has looked really, really good over the uh, last couple outings. So let's assume the Dodgers have a deep playoff run in them and they don't get bounced in four or five games in the NLDS. Fair foul, Josh, that four different pitchers will record a save for the Dodgers during their postseason run. I say four fair. different pitchers. Easy. Okay. I, think I, I think I say fair because right now um, it, it's tough. I think if you think, is that sustainable for the Dodgers to be closer by committee in the, in the postseason? I say, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I do think the way that the Dodgers bullpen has been this year, the way that guys – um, like Evan Phillips and like Tommy Canley have looked right now. Um, I, I have that confidence in the bullpen to bring in a different guy based off of the situation um, to close out a game in the ninth inning for a win. 
Um, so, so I have that confidence in the bullpen right now. Um, so right now I'll say fair. I think that's a fair assessment. The Dodgers could potentially have four different players record saves in the postseason if, of course, they continue to advance um, throughout the playoffs. So let's just add on to it. Who do you think the uh, four would be if you're going with it? Phillips is an easy one. Um, I'm going to say uh, Canely. I'm I'm going to say Bruce Dar Gratterall gets one, and I'm going to say Alex Vesia. I like it. And so who knows? You- Craig Kimbrell is my fifth. No, hey, if, I, if he, I had to, if I'm excluding Craig Kimbrell, those are my four right now. Yeah, and you didn't even include gets, didn't even include Blake Trinan, who might be back as well, who could be nope, a solid option. Not. So I there's there's a lot of good guys that they could turn to uh, in the ninth inning. So don't make me look stupid. Don't make no. me look stupid, please. Now that's impossible to do, Josh. That's <laughs> impossible to do. So that wraps it up for this week's edition of Fair or Foul. We are going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to open up the mailbag and do a brand new fun draft. Stay tuned. All right, Josh, I'm taking over hosting duties now. You've been demoted, but it's time to open up the mailbag from our viewers. Again, if you guys would like to ask us a future question on an episode, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Inside the Ravine. Usually about an hour or so before we record, we post on Twitter saying, hit us up with your questions, whether they're Dodger questions, whether they're any questions. Last week, someone asked us about, I think, Will Smith being thick, I think is what they, they asked yes. us. And a few weeks ago, someone asked us about Chad Billingsley's thighs or what, what did they ask? They asked us to like uh, say a eulogize, kind word. Eulogize yeah. Chad Billingsley's <laughs> career. <laughs> So we get all kinds of questions, but uh, we're going to start with Eric the Dub. Dustin May's use in the playoffs. Are we going to have more games like this in the playoffs where we have an opener and Andrew Heaney comes in later? And uh, so it's a two-part question. So I'll go to this one first, Josh. So today the Dodgers are using an opener for Andrew Heaney. Bruce Darkeraderall is going to get the first inning. Andrew Heaney is going to come in, which makes sense considering he's likely going to be a reliever in the playoffs. So I guess with Dustin May, he is on the injured list. I don't know. Again, the time's weird. I think we talked about that in the last episode, but he should, I think, be back for October. But do you think that's what the Dodgers are going to do? Maybe like with Tony Gonsolin, maybe with Tony Gonsolin, they have him go two to three innings and then they bring Dustin May to follow him in relief. Or do you think May might be used as just like a one inning uh, reliever kind of option? I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, if you have to use Dustin May out of the bullpen, I think obviously for the for bullpen purposes, that would be great. Um, but I, I feel like you're in a situation where you want Dustin May starting games in the playoffs. And I know that we've seen him against a couple of different teams and it was a little shaky, but I think hypothetically you want Dustin May starting games, right? Right. But at, so, at this point, it's, you know, it, it's he's not going to be one of the four. So I yeah. guess, you know, it. Pick your poison if you want him to come for a few innings, if you want to use him as one. Hey, maybe he'll go to your uh, closer list. Maybe he'll get a save in the oh, yeah, ninth I inning. Mean, yeah, I mean, he might. I think, yeah, you might have just convinced me. Close it out. No, no, Only one pitcher gets saves in the postseason, and it's Dustin May. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we'll go to uh, the second part of Eric the, Eric the Dub's question. If Trey isn't re-signed, who else are we looking at outside and inside of the organization? Josh, I'm going to rattle off a couple of names that uh, are expected to be free agents. And let me know if Trey's not back, uh, if you'd like, oh, well, 
I guess it'd be, so Gavin Lux is the in-organization option. He'll slide over to shortstop, so it's either Gavin Lux, Josh, or some of these guys. We have Dansby Swanson, and uh, that's really uh, about it as of right now. There <laughs> is there is a question. I know there's a few guys that have opt-outs they, they might utilize, so Josh, we're going to turn this into a two-parter because someone actually asked this uh, for a question, and we're going to combine it into this one. This comes from Adrian, also at DookieBets. Nice. Would you, Josh, sign Carlos Correa, who has an opt-out he talked about today, saying that the Twins essentially, if they want him, he like compared himself to Dior Store. Uh, the Twins need to come get him. I know that a lot of people in uh, Dodgerland have talked about him being a f- potential free agent. So if Trey isn't back and your options are Gavin Lux, Dansby Swanson, and Carlos Correa, what uh, what direction are you headed? Um, I think first and foremost, Trey Turner has to be back. You have to re-sign Trey Turner. Um, I think Dansby would be a viable option. I also think that if you're going to look toward the farm or anybody that could step up, I think you could move Lux over, maybe promote a guy like Michael Bush too. Um, But among others, obviously there's a handful of guys who are not far off from a major league debut, um, especially in the infield too. Um, I like Dansby as an option if Trey's not there and, when it comes to Correa, here's where I'm going to sound like a Dodger fan. Um, I I think signing Carlos Correa to be the captain of your infield here, your starting shortstop, a focal point on your team, is has the possibility to absolutely backfire on you if you're the Dodgers front office and baseball ops staff because – you're already bringing in somebody that you're almost ostracizing your own fan base here. Or are you setting up one of your players to potentially fail? Um, But from a business standpoint, then look at it from a business standpoint. Is he going to help you win games? My thought is likely yes. But if that backfires on you, what does that mean? What if he what if he has a terrible season? What does that mean? And also, again, you want to make money. Are people going to come out to the game to root on to, to root for Carlos Correa wearing white and blue with a red number on his chest? Like, are people gonna be in on that? And also, are Dodger fans gonna buy Carlos Correa merchandise? That's I don't have an answer <laughs> for any of those things. These are just the questions that I have from a business standpoint. Because number one, you want to win games. Your goal is to win the World Series. But at the same time, the Dodgers want to make money. So, right. This has been a question that I've seen all offseason. And it's still so tough because this year, Carlos Correa, he's missed a good amount. He missed about 30 or 25 or 30 games or so. He still has a war above five. Like, he has an OPS plus of 137 in a down year, 21 home runs defensively he's like the best shortstop in baseball he's so good like Mm -hmm. but like you said it's just if if it goes south if he sucks he is going to be public enemy number one in los angeles like dodgers fans will turn instantly Mm -hmm. the only way i think that it could be potentially somewhat like there there's always going to be what happened but I think the only way that maybe Dodgers fans, not all of them, but more, become more accepting is if the Dodgers win a World Series this year, so they just get another one, you know, they they, they win one, 
And if, let's say he signed, the first thing he does is, like, if he has his press conference, if, like, the first thing he does is, like, apologize and say, like, listen, this happened, like, I hate myself for it, blah, blah, blah. Because he's, like, one of the few that's actually admitted to doing it. Mm-hmm. If he were to do that and admit it and say, like, I am truly sorry to everyone and I'm ready to, like, win one for you guys and let's do it, then I think more people might get on board. But if that doesn't happen, if the Dodgers don't win a World Series, I just can't see it happening. But again, he's he's better than Trey Turner, Josh. <laughs> like, I think like I think he's better than Trey. Now, I I'd rather have Trey if given the choices because I still choose not to have Correa. But if you lose out on Trey and your worst option is signing a guy who on a down year has a WAR of five and is a Gold Glove shortstop that's going to hit twenty five home runs, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, you're also talking about Trey is up there and hits in Major League Baseball, been going back and forth with Freeman all season, too. So, I mean, I don't know. Okay, so hold on, hold on. Where, <laughs> what, where, how, do, how does their war compare? So he's so, at 5 1. So Correa's at yeah. 5 1. And he's and, played in 23 less games than Trey. Okay, so he's played in. Okay, but Trey's at 4 8. The batting Lower average, OPS Trey's plus. at 299, Correa's at 280, 278. I'm Ron Burgundy? <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy? Ah, man, it is. It's. I, I will say this, Josh. Over, I mean, Trey Turner, the thing is, and this is why I'm kind of hesitant to give him a longer contract, his speed helps his numbers so much. I believe he leads baseball in infield singles, like an absurd amount. I think like in the 20s or something like that. He's able to stretch singles into doubles, doubles into triples. Over his last 55 games, he only has five home runs, has an OPS of 736. And the thing with Trey is, if you were to take out half of these infield singles, or let's say it's an average player that doesn't beat half of these out, his his OPS and batting average are significantly lower. Now, again, I get it's part of the game. Like, the numbers are there. Like, that's what makes him so valuable is his speed. But, like, in the second half, the dude just hasn't really been hitting. And I feel like it's something that's kind of really gone under the radar that his hitting has just really taken a, a big step back. And, again, I get that the average is still, like, you know, 276 over the last 55 games. You'll take that. But... If you take out half of those infield hits, he's probably hitting like 230 with not that many extra base hits. And again, the OPS is creeping about league average. So I I know a lot of people are saying re-sign Trey, extend Trey. But I do think people need to take a look at the bigger picture, take a look at what exactly he's going to be asking. Josh, I'm looking at this and it's even worse. Over his last 48 games, two home runs. Now, I know home runs aren't, you know, everything you need, but... Again, if, if he's not getting these infield singles, it's uh, not not that pretty over the last two months with him. Yeah, that's true, too. Uh, I think that also if you – I mean, speed-wise, Correa doesn't have a single stolen base. But Trey's got 25. Um, I think on top of that – see, this is where it's a little bit interesting, too um, – when it comes to Trey, 
what exactly is this contract going to look like one versus the other right now? Cause Correa right did, cause Correa did the interesting thing this off season where he took that shorter deal, kind of like the Bauer contract where you take more money per year with like the opt outs. So I think Correa, like, I don't know if he's going to do that again with a new team where he'll take like a three year deal with a chance for opt outs. Cause Trey, I think is just going to chase the bag. I think it's at the point where he goes wherever the biggest payday is, but I don't know. Like, Josh, like, would you rather sign Trey to a seven-year deal for two hundred and fifty million, or again, would you rather sign Correa to a three-year, hundred and you know, fifteen million dollar with an opt-out at, at the end of each year? Well, because that's kind of what Correa is at right now, right? It's, yeah. it's the thirty-five point one million per year with opt-outs in twenty-three, and yeah, with, with opt-outs in twenty-three and twenty-four for Trey his current contract comes out to like 21 million per year. So, I mean, I think that that's a significant difference between the two of them right now. Yeah. Well, that's, I don't I know. Tra- I don't know. I Tra- think Trey's in Trey. the, Trey's in the last year of his arbitration. So yeah. he's definitely going to, that's, it's probably going to get to the thirties, but it's going to get higher. Th- I know people say, you know, speed, speed doesn't, you know, speed doesn't go away, but, even if Trey loses, you know, a somewhat decent step in like, again, all these infield singles kind of come down, the stolen bases come down, you know, his defense isn't great. You know, he, he's an upgrade over Seager, but that's not saying much, but his defense isn't ideal. Again, we're just going over a hypothetical that might, the Dodgers, they might just have a thing like a note, a notepad on their whiteboard in Freeman's office that just says no Correa ever. And this is all for naught. But again, it's like, I, I like Trey, but we do have to take, and this is something we'll talk about during the off season, but I, I don't think it's as easy as it sounds to uh, extend Trey. Josh, I, I have this master idea plan that uh, I'm going to say for the off season, but I think I'm just going to tease it now just because I, I think it is so just, it's so insane, but there is the possibility that it happens. So then we'll get to one more question. Then we'll move on to our draft because we spent a lot, a lot of time on this. The Dodgers don't re-sign Trey. They move Gavin Lux to shortstop. Cody Bellinger walks, so you save $20 million there. And you sign Aaron Judge. And I'll just leave it at that. I will leave it at that. That's where the money goes instead. Because no. uh, we want to we keep the viewers... Stay tuned for, our, for uh, November, guys, because I will build off my master plan in that. I know I just dropped a bombshell, but I'm going to save it for November because there's my master plan. Oh, my gosh. How many could he hit at Dodger Stadium? That, you know what? We don't have yes. time for this. We don't have the time to 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 compare the the outfield walls. <laughs> I know, and the science um, behind the the, the marine layer. Right. <laughs> All right, we have a question from a uh, Ricky Davis. And I, here's a name I don't think you mentioned, Josh, when we just did a fair foul. But was Wednesday an audition of sorts for Yancy Almonte to be the closer in the playoffs, or is it too soon off the aisle to talk about that? Again, I, I don't think you included him in I your didn't. yeah four. He so he wasn't in my four. Again, one, um, two, three. He faced a what? Soto, Machado, and I think you said Hassan Kim. Kim. So ground out, ground out, strikeout, and yeah. two of and the last of those two were were Juan Soto and and Manny Machado. So I do think it's a little bit too early. Of course, he's been somebody as we talked about last week when we keep talking about the bullpen injuries and and Kimbrel and all that. Um, yeah, I think that absolutely he's a guy that's in the mix for me right now. I think it's a little bit too early because it's just been the one game since coming back off the IL. Um, so I will um, take it with a grain of salt. I'll pump the brakes a bit. At the same time, 
Um, I think he's a guy in games, in tight games in the postseason. That's a guy you want coming out of the pen. I'll say that much right now. Yeah, I think a little too soon, uh, but give it a few more games. Maybe he proves it. One more quick question, and this actually comes from uh, one of my good friends from my fraternity uh, back in high school. Uh, This comes from Angel, also known as at LBrownGuy19. Who are we playing in the World Series this year? So, Josh, I know I think we've asked or I've asked this to you before, but let's just say as of right now, before we move on, as of right now, who are the Dodgers playing in the World Series? Um, I would hate this because um, it means that coming out uh, on the short end um, is going to be just absolutely painful. I think the Dodgers play the Astros in the World Series. Um, That's I I mean, they've won 102 games. Uh, The Astros are really good. Um, not like the Astros are low key. Like I know we talk about the Dodgers like being so good, but it's like the Astros might finish with like 108 wins or something yeah. like that. Like they're yeah, they, really good. They, yeah, they they are really good, and their run differential is not quite as high as the Yankees. At least if you're looking at teams out of the AL, but it is like third best in baseball. Obviously, the Dodgers we mentioned earlier, plus 322. There is nobody even close. Not even the Yankees are anywhere close. Um, but at a, a run differential at plus two twelve is like significantly higher than every single team in baseball, except for the Dodgers and the Yankees. Um, and they are, they're really good and they haven't had very many slumps this season. Like the Dodgers, you know, they'll go on a weird, like eight game stretch where they're like, not great. Obviously in July, the Yankees were just like, not very good. Um, but obviously they're getting close to a hundred wins right now. And no one cares about the Yankees, you know, win total right now. They're all just watching judge, but like the Astros have won 102 games. Like they are really good too. And they're a team that I'm definitely scared of in the world series. It's tough because it's either the Dodgers beat the Astros and it's the best feeling ever. And it's fantastic. Or the, my, my one fear is that they lose to the Astros and then it just becomes, well, you see, they weren't cheating, and they can beat you without cheating. So it's yeah. just, I don't know. But it, it, I think but on the beating flip the side, Astros would be so the good. Astros? Oh, oh that'd gosh. be so good. I would I would love that. Even though, like, there's only, like, two or three of them left there. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It, because it even then, matters, because but then, it would be so nice. Then Dodger fans could say, one, oh, when they weren't cheating, the Dodgers beat them. And then also, mm-hmm. oh, and a season that was a full season where the Dodgers didn't lose to a team that cheated. They also won. So there's just not much firepower for anybody else. I feel like yeah. if the Dodgers beat the Astros in the world series, but that's why the alternative of losing to the Astros in the world series is like one of the worst things I think I could let my brain think about. Yeah. It's not pretty. So that does wrap up our mailbag. Sorry we couldn't get to all the questions. But again, if you have a question for a future show, Dodger-related, anything related, we like to answer as many as we can. Hit us up on Twitter at Inside the Ravine. Turn those notifications on. That way you're notified when uh, we post about the Q&A. Again, we like to try to answer as many questions as we can. Normally we get to about three or four. I know we went kind of long today with uh, a certain someone in my master plan that we'll eventually get to in the offseason. But Josh, it's time to move on. To our draft, you came close, my friend. You Dude, I know I didn't. This one. No, I didn't. I am convinced. Yes, you did. I'm con- how? What was the actual like final vote total? Because when I the, first saw it, it was bad. The final percentage. So we 
if you missed our last episode, we voted or we drafted the best French fries. I'm not going to say who we picked because you can, one, either listen to the episode or just go to our Twitter. But Josh, the final results. Very close. Like I said, I finished on top with 58% and you came in with 42%. So again, it was was kind of a little lopsided at first. I was kind of hanging around the 60s. But you made a final push at the end. I made I made a, a retweet with a couple hours to go, and you made a strong push. But at the end of the day, couldn't just get over the hump, couldn't get it done. So maybe today's your chance. Maybe today is the time I, I that think Josh that there, pulls out the victory. I think that with the the amount of followers that you have on Dodgers Twitter, I genuinely See, I, I, think I genuinely think that you could give me the first five picks of the draft, and whatever you put is going to win. That's my hot take. See, I, I just don't know. I just think, because I don't, I don't know. I mean, well, I guess it depends on which ones, because I think there's only been one that's really been kind of like a blowout, but the other from, I know when we did like Best Dodger Stadium Foods, that one was like, I think, 53 to 47%. Genuinely there was another one we did that was close. I lost that one. I'm, I'm still to this day stunned that I lost that one. So if you're out there listening, let us know if, uh, what 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 Josh needs to do to get over the hump? I I still think it's just, dog. Your your drafts just they cannot be on my level. Oh, you just cannot yeah. outdo my picks. Sure. Now you are gonna have a chance because Josh today, per your request, this is gonna be a fun one. We are going to be drafting the best MLB City Edition uniforms. Now I don't have the number off the top of my head. I think it's like thirteen or fourteen that have been used over the last two seasons. So 14 of them. So 14. So essentially most of them are going to be selected today. If you're one of the four jerseys that aren't drafted, you are just horrible and you need to be uh, disposed and never worn again. But we are going to be drafting our favorite city edition jerseys. Again, if you guys have any future draft ideas, Hit us up on Twitter at Inside the Ravine. Let us know what you would like to see us draft in the next episode. So, Josh, I know you went first last week, but as the man no. who lost yet again, I will give you the chance to select first if wow. you want to uh, try to start off on a hot spot and okay. uh, potentially win this battle. So, I will give you the first overall pick, and uh, hopefully, this is finally your draft that you could uh, take home the prize for. And uh, brag about to your girlfriend that you won. But until then, I will not (laughs) brag. She has not voted on one of our things, guaranteed. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm no, she follows us on Twitter. um, But but that's that's all I know. Um, I will gladly accept uh, the first overall pick. And with that, I I will say before you go, Josh, for me, there is an easy one on one. For me personally, there's an easy one on one. So I agree. If you end up with it. I'm going to be very upset and very heartbroken, okay. but that just goes to show the kind of guy I am that I'm willing to sacrifice the clear-cut 101 to give to you for your chance at victory. Okay. Well, with with that 101 pick, I'm taking the all-black Chicago White Sox. Yeah, you... I'm, I'm going to have to edit some, uh, get some beeps in here <laughs> because uh, that, it was, that was my pick that I had lined up. Those are the best by far. Josh has gotten off to a strong start. Now, I guess this we will see because uh, that is a popular one. So if I'm able to pull out the victory, 
Maybe Josh is right. Maybe he will just vote for me based on me. But that is yeah. a great that is a great way to start, Josh. And I, I do have the photo that we can look at right now because oh, uh, that is it's just oh, so clean. They're so and then, good. And you know what the best part about? I'm gonna peek out the side here. You know what the best part <laughs> about this? The best part about this is that Tony Larusa had to wear this. <laughs> Tony Larusa yeah. had to put this on and look so out of his element. And it's just like. Okay, so look at look at Tim Anderson right now. Look how cool he looks. It the, right. the jersey. First of all, the jersey fits him, so that's already step one. Is it fits? Um, second of all, uh, just the the first. Maybe it's the photo, but my God, these things are just so gorgeous. Everything about him just screams like Southside Chicago. It's just a badass jersey. Um, and when you look at Tony LaRusso wearing it, number one, the vibes don't fit. Number two, his jersey itself does not fit him. It is too big. It does not fit Tony LaRusso. And and three, um, I could think of about a thousand things that are without ever having been to the south side of Chicago personally. I can probably name 150 different things that are more south side Chicago than Tony LaRusso. So, um, sorry, Tony. Um, I would say that you might detract from this jersey. But you don't. They're just that cool. I will say the one thing. I'm not a fan of the hat. I, I love the jersey. I love the pants. I'm not a fan of the hat. I I think it's kind of underwhelming. But, yeah, those are, like I said, the, there was a clear 101. Even when you texted me earlier, I was like, I'm going to have to like look at uh, rankings. But I, I know what my number one is. All right. So I'm going to go now. And this, it's between two for me. But I'm going to pick the one that I would think you take with your next pick. So I think I might be able to get my other one back to me. But I'm taking this one because I think you might have this high in the top of your list. And that's the Washington Nationals oh, ones. They're good. I love the gray with the... Uh, I forget the name of the flower. We should have our uh, Washington, D.C. expert. Uh, the cherry blossom. There you go. Maybe you are the Washington, D.C. expert. Uh, it looks great. I love the beige pants they got. The hat looks great with the W with the cherry blossom flowers on it. And just something about this gray, it just is casual, but I like it. Don't necessarily love the WSH. I thought maybe if you put Nats or something like that, but no complaints. But color-wise, I think it looks fantastic. And again, love the flowers on it. So I'm going to go with the cherry blossom national uniforms. Yeah, no, I really like those too. Those are probably my second favorites. Now, um, do I, not I, take my next pick, Josh, because if you take my next pick, we are just going to go AWOL, and this draft is going to get out of hand because my, my board is just going to be shot. So yeah, I'm very well, interested and hopeful see, that you go a different direction. This is a tough one because I think for me, obviously the second pick for me would have been the the Nationals. Okay, for me, this one's, this one's a little bit interesting because there are some on here that I really like but I don't know if they're really all that popular. Um, I think with my next pick, there are a few things that I don't necessarily like about this, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick it. My next two picks. I'm thinking there's things that I really like about them and I just don't love the whole thing. But with my second pick, I'm going to take the angels. Um, Interesting. I, okay. I, I like the angels. I like the the stripes on the sleeves. I like the color of it. I think I really, really like the angels text on the front. Um, the hat is what I'm not super sold on, and I don't love the the numbers and the diamond. But for the most part, 
the the off white, the cream color with the angels is something we haven't really seen before. Try to try to soak in that whole uh, that whole Orange County vibe uh, with the surfboard stripes too. I really like the one the one thing I have to say um, is that they tried to represent Orange County, and uh, in the video that they used to announce it. They were like, oh, Orange County, this and that. And then they they bring up Pacific Palisades in the video. Not even close to Orange County. So you want to be L.A., but you want to represent Orange County. And then we're going to talk about Pacific Palisades. And it just there's no correlation among any of the things. So minus points for that. But I'm going to take the Angels at number two. Good concept. Yeah, I, I like what they did with it. I think they could have been better. Some things that were hit or miss for me. So... They were on my list. They were a little lower, so I get my second pick back. So my strategy worked. So losing out on the uh, White Sox Southside uniforms has maybe uh, benefited me in the long run. And that's going to be the Miami Marlins, the bright red with the stripes. I don't know what kind of blue you would really call this. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not really great with colors, but I love these. I know that they're very hit or miss for a lot of people. But I love the bold. I mean, I think this this just because their current uniforms are awful and they suck. And this just screams Miami. Like, mm-hmm. this screams Miami. I love them. They are very flashy. Probably the flashiest, I guess. There's another uniform in here that's pretty flashy. We'll see if those get picked. But out of all the city uniforms, these are probably the ones that, like, stand out the most to me. The hat's a little interesting. Don't know if I'm for it. But I do like the uh, blue with the red beak. But I'm going to go with the Marlins with my uh, second pick. See, that's why I didn't pick these ones, because I think the jerseys are flawless and I hate the hat. I, I can't I can't get behind the hat. Um, so I, I really like these. Um, your list is looking pretty good with those two. And you've got the contrast between the colors of the Nats and then the, the bright red of the Marlins ones. So those, those are pretty good. I think lie, there's going to be a noticeable trend with this list is that we love the jerseys. But a lot of these hats are kind of uh... terrible. Yeah, like we talked about the White Sox one, not great. I'm okay this with one, the White Sox one, and I actually really like the Nationals one. Let me take a, a look at the, the Angels one ones, again. Man. Yeah, the Angels one's not that great either, so... Yeah, it's just... Yeah. And the D, the D-backs one's pretty bad, too. The hat, yeah. I'll say. Um, so, you know, it's, it's tough. Um, for my third... Um, this is one that I think tons of people really like for me. It took a while for me to really get on board with it. Um, and again, this is one where I think the hat just really detracts from the uniform as a whole, but the jerseys and the pants I can get behind. And that's the Colorado Rockies. Yeah. I Um, figured you were going there with, with the mountains, you know, I, I, I don't love the white belt. Um, and I, I gotta be real Charlie Blackman, just modeling these does not do it for me. I mean, the, the the you know the basketball shoes and the photo too it's just not a great photo for him for those who, if we post this clip or whatever on uh on instagram or social media or whatever but um but the jerseys themselves uh, i think are really cool the hat minus points for me but but still pretty good and i'm gonna bring it in at three yeah i at first i these are weird ones because i thought these were awful at first but after seeing them wear them they just like started to grow on me if this was purple instead, I think they would might be number one. Oh yeah, I get the green, like I get it. It's just I don't know the way maybe the font is with Colorado and the number because I like how it looks with the mountains. And again, I love going with the green pants. 
I had him. That was actually going to be the next one I went with. This one, I'm, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts because, again, I've seen very mixed reviews on this, Josh. I hate to do it, but there's oh, just a part of me that really likes them. And that's the Astros yeah. Space City uniforms. The hat itself is nothing really spectacular because it's essentially the logo with just a nice little space shooting star, whatever you want to call it. But it, it, I, I do prefer that over the current logo of just the star. Absolutely. But I think the Space City's cool with the uh, space font. Uh, you can't see it in this photo, but on the back, their numbers are really cool. Just very NASA-like, which is very fitting for Texas. I guess for Houston, because I think that's, you know, Houston, we have a problem. But I, I like them. Again, I know a lot of people just want to hate on the Astros, as will I, but I, I like them a lot. Like, well, I, I this, really like those. I, I think these are actually up there for some of my favorites. I really, really like these ones. Um, I think the jerseys themselves are some of the best ones of, of any of the teams. And I will say this. The hat and the logo is just so crazily better than their current hat and their current logo. <laughs> That's the thing. It actually it's is just, like a better overall this is, logo. This is the hat of all of, of all the City Connect jerseys. This is right. the hat that ties everything together perfectly. Yeah. I, I think it's the best overall jersey. Um, best overall uniform. But maybe, uh, I don't know. It's it's up there. It's, it's, yeah. it's really good. Um, for my fourth one here, there are a couple that that I do really like. Um, for me, uh, I'm going to go with Kansas City. Now, the logo on the hat, I, I don't love the, the logo on the hat. but I Oh, think no, it looks... I don't have a photo saved. Oh, my God. Where did it go? <laughs> Give me I, a sec. I... Actually, you can, list, you can look it on, on Google. I must have forgot them, Kansas City. No offense, even though they're on my list to be my next pick. <laughs> Oh, Blake, uh, these know. ones are these ones are really clean. I love the navy blue. I love the contrast with the lighter blue. The logo on the chest is just phenomenal. The sleeve logo of the R with the crown on top and how ro royal and regal it looks is really good. I, I just think that the jerseys themselves, there's just nothing wrong with them. And they, they're almost kind of retro, um, which is why they're so cool. The hat doesn't do it for me again. I just don't think the logo works on the hat, but Man, the jerseys are just so slick and clean and retro and modern at the same time. The jersey does a lot of things right for me. Yeah, the interesting one with the Royals one for me is it's not one that like you'll instantly remember or one that's like if you were to ask someone like what are your five favorite, they might mm -hmm. not think of it. But it's like pretty clean. Like it's simple, like nothing over the top. But I'm with you where I just like it. Like I like the overall look to it. I like when they wore it against the Dodgers earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. Again, not flashy, not something that stands out, but I think overall just just very nice, like really nice ones. And again, there you go, stealing another one of my picks. Sorry, that's, man. That's great. It's fine. I, I didn't have a photo of it, so I don't I don't deserve to get it. With my fourth pick, uh, this is an interesting one, a very forgotten about one, where I, I remember when I was looking through the list, I was like, oh, I forgot about these. I really like them. And that's the oh, Milwaukee man. Brewers. And that's because there are a lot of things I like. I love the blue. I this like baby blue. I think it's a great look. I like the fact that they say brew crew. But yeah. Josh, what does it for me is the uh, patch on the right sleeve of a grill grilling sausages. <laughs> uh, I think it's I think they're grilling sausages, but it's supposed to look like the seams of a baseball. Yeah, I, I love it. The hat again, going back to the trend of the hat, 
Terrible. The, the, the color looks fantastic. The blue looks oh, yeah. fantastic. But the way that they have the MKE, the, the font they used, I think actually this may be the worst hat. It's the worst one. On the, they should have had the grill. That, that's what it should have been. But the jersey, I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. I love the color. The hat's a no, but I, I'm a fan. If I brew, brew if crew. I was a if I was a Brewers fan, I'd buy this jersey. Right. I mean, no no question about it. I would buy this jersey. I think it's I think it's phenomenal. Um, it. So so that's a that's a good one. Um, here's where so this is my last pick, and here's where things get a little bit dicey for me. I'm not going to pick the Dodgers. Um, I, I think that the Dodge. We talked about the Dodger jerseys last week. I think the Los Dodgers on the front is awesome. I'm okay with the little spray paint, you know, the graffiti black texture on the sleeves. I know some people don't like the blue pants. I like them with this jersey. Yeah. I think they're cool. And uh, thank goodness that this season they heard the fans saying that the Los Dodgers hat is horrible, so they just wore it with the LA this year. It, it's much better. I'm not going to pick the Dodgers though, um, and. I have a tough time narrowing it down to who I'm who I'm going to pick with my last one. Um, I think, man, you know, I almost really want to pick the Padres, too. Um, You know what? I'm going to I'm going to round out the Chicago teams and I'm going to take the Cubs Uh, for whatever reason. The it's it's something about the blue, the navy blue with the light blue just like the royals that i think is really really cool um and the way that it meshes with the white and the arched wrigleyville across the chest i mean wrigleyville i think is just really cool and here's one more where the hat is just flawless the hat yeah. with the with the cub c and then the red star for chicago in the middle it's just really really good and it's a very well done jersey and it's it's tough for the Cubs because I think when it comes to the City Connect jerseys, they are heavily overshadowed by just how badass the the black White Sox Southside jerseys are. But right. Wrigleyville, I mean, these are clean. These are really clean. They were next up for me. They they were next up for me. I really like them. But another one. So that rounds out Josh's. I'm gonna round out mine. And this is where I have an interesting dilemma, Josh, because. I'm showing you the Padres ones right here. I'm still torn on whether or not whether or not I like them. I like what they're going for. Mm-hmm. This is this is the rare case where I prefer the hat to the jersey. Mm-hmm. I actually really like the hat. Like I'd get a dad hat of this and wear it no problem. The jersey, it's the different colors on the sleeves that ruin it for me. I think the San Diego font's great. I like the numbers. Really? I think the sleeves are what ruin it for me. So I'm taking it off the list. Wow. I'm not going to go with it. And wait, because... wait, I need to hold on before you tell me who you're going to pick. I need to go through and because it leaves three. There are three that you could go from here if you're not yeah. going to do the Dodgers. Well, and Josh, just because you took the White Sox with your first pick, maybe I can rally some on the fence voters. Wow. By choosing the Dodgers City Connects as my fifth and final one. Because wow. at this point, it's not going to be the Padres. I do have the uh, Red Sox on here, which are absolutely horrible. They look like the UCLA Bruins, so it's an absolute no for me. And um, I think, who else are we missing at this point? The Giants. That, oh, the Giants. I like what they were going for. Those were a no. I thought the swings were cool with like, they the are clouds. The ones, I think. Yeah, I like the clouds with like the Golden Gate Bridge, but that was a no. And then who who's the last one I'm missing? 
I mean, that's it. Oh, okay. So it's easy. Dodgers well, so, it is. <laughs> so, oh, the D-backs. The D-backs. Oh, I do like what they're going for, but it's just boring. Yeah. And just, I like the color, the sand or beige, whatever it is, but no. They could have done like something a lot cooler. The tough part about the Padres one is there's no striping on the jersey at all. There's no piping yeah. down the middle. There's no sleeve stripes. And then the logo itself, the text on like Serpientes is like really thin. Right. Obviously, it's supposed to be a snake. It's so thin that it just looks like there's nothing on the jersey. Right. It's just this like yeah. beige top. So, not so to round it out, Josh. I went with the Nationals, Marlins, Astros, Brewers, and Dodgers for my City Connect uniforms. And I went with the White Sox, uh, the Angels, the Royals, the Cubs, and is that uh, and and the Rockies. There you go. So the graphic will be up on our Twitter at Inside the Ravine. Go vote for who you guys think has the best lineup. We'll throw pictures. That way you can see what the uniforms look like. Is this going to be the draft where Josh comes out on top, pulls out his first victory, or am I going to pull my fourth or fifth straight in a row and keep riding this momentum until Josh eventually gets through? So make sure no, to go the vote in the poll. That, the fact Let that us you know. of all people, between the two of us, the fact that you went out and got the Dodgers at the very end yes. means that you're going to win. I don't know. I mean, again, I, I think a lot of people do like those Southside ones. Like, I really mm-hmm. think that's going to be, that's what's going to take you. So that does it, Josh. I know you started the episode, so I'll finish it. I'll let you just take the rest of the episode off. But again, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Inside the Ravine. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Inside the Ravine. You can also listen to the show on the Odyssey app because this podcast is brought to you by Odyssey Sports. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys get your podcasts. Josh, any parting words before we head out for the week? Uh, uh, score some more runs against the Rockies. Yes. Please yes. do. Please do. You can find Josh on Twitter at JoshSchaefer25. I believe the same Instagram handle, Josh, or is it? Uh, no, it's JoshSchaefer5. Ah, okay. So the mm-hmm. the two's dropped. Through a little you guys can there. find me. You guys can find me on Twitter at BlakeHarrisTBLA. Won't plug the Instagram because I haven't posted in about three years, so... I'll save you the follow. But again, we appreciate you guys listening. Again, follow us on social media, all that kind of stuff. A brand new Dodgers podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports. Thank you guys so much for listening. Leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you'd like to see. We love to hear your feedback. But for Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening and enjoy the rest of your week wherever you may be. 